Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. You ever been in a place where it's just so dark it was creepy? I mean, you just, you've been there where it's just so dark you just know this is just weird. It is not good. I mean, the first night I spent in Haiti on a mission trip, Craig tried to prepare me for how dark it gets in Haiti. Because when the sun goes down in Haiti, there's not much electricity going on in Haiti. And when it, when it gets dark in Haiti, let me tell you, it's dark. I mean, it is, it is past zero dark 30. It is really, really dark. Dark to the point that it's creepy. I, it wasn't that many months ago where my house is across the street sort of is a, one of those tornado sirens. And it's evening and a tornado siren goes off and Samantha and, and, and Abby hear it. And for me, listen, you could have a bulldozer going through the other side of the house and I have no idea what's going on. I got one of those CPAP masks. You put that bad boy on and all you hear the rest of the night is this. So Samantha gets us and Jenny and I get up and we head down there. We get into the, you know, the basement of the shelter is what we're supposed to do. The tornado's going on, lightning's flashing. It's dark. The power is out. And I look down and Samantha has brought a box of Chips Ahoy cookies. You know, if you don't learn anything else at church today, you can go home with this knowledge. You can never have enough chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> you know, there's a time when it's so dark, it's eerie. There's a time when it's so dark, it's frightening. There's a time when it's so dark, you know, it's not right. And today we learn a little bit of what it is to go from darkness to light. If you have your Bibles in, in the gospel according to John, it's the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We learn what it is to see all of that change. We've been in this series uh, for four weeks now, and it's been coinciding with the Bible mini-series that's on the History Channel on Sunday nights. Tonight's the last episode, the two hours. And if you haven't seen it, boy, I really trust that you'll, you'll see it on DVD or Blu-ray or pay-per-view or however you do that. And we, we've gone through these last four weeks from death to life, from slavery to freedom, from being a victim to being a victor, from being religious to having a life-changing relationship. And today we conclude this series, this finale, with which all those stories ultimately point. They point to this beginning part of today's story of Jesus's arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, and all of the series of incidents that take his friends and his followers and send them into this deep darkness because everything they've counted on, everything they believed in, everything that they saw on this earthly kingdom has now gone. Can you imagine? Some of you saw this a few years ago with your 401k. Everything you put your hope in is gone. And you know, some of you plunged into a pretty serious darkness. And some of you still are. Some of you said, I do, several years ago, and somebody came home and said, I don't love you anymore, and you plunged into a darkness. Some of you lost your job, and there's more bill than there is money in the checkbook, and you plunged into a darkness. Some of you heard, I've got cancer, and you plunged into a darkness. That, that darkness is one where there's only one way out, and we learn that today. Just days after Jesus has entered the city of Jerusalem... 
What we find is literally he had just cleansed the temple. Then he's arrested and tried, convicted, executed as a criminal. And when that happens in the gospel of Matthew over in the 27th chapter, Matthew says darkness came over all the land. It was that deep, saturating, just black as night darkness. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And maybe today you know where that feels like. But those folks there that had followed Jesus, all of a sudden that darkness had fallen upon them and had stolen their hope and their dreams, stolen their future and stolen their joy, stolen their very life. And if that's the case for you today, I want to echo what Hector said a minute ago. There is hope. You see, Jesus didn't walk up out of those death rags. He didn't speak that stone away, and he didn't walk out of that tomb so that we could say, oh, that's cool. He didn't do that so that we could dye Easter eggs and hide them in the yard. He didn't even do it so we could have ham with Grandma this afternoon. As good as ham is with Grandma. He did it so there might be hope. He did it so that you might go from that deep darkness that we all seem to find ourselves in at some time. I mean, the truth of the matter is we're either in the middle of that darkness, just coming out of that darkness, or about to go into that darkness because that is life as we know it, is it not? And so Jesus comes along and says, I want to give you hope from that. I want to deliver you from that. I want to let you know life can be fulfilling. And and literally what happens is in that case, I want you to know there's hope. Just like this clip from tonight's version of the Bible where Mary sees Jesus. Guys, would you run that clip for me? That clip gives this beautiful picture of first her confusion and then her hope. It gives us this thought of there she is without any knowledge of what to do or where to go or, or who she can place her trust in to all of a sudden, I have a plan. Jesus says, go tell the others. I mean, that little scene there gives us this picture of the first aspect of salvation found in faith in Christ. And it is, I am delivered from the darkness of confusion and into the light of new life. Over in John chapter 20, in verse one, here's what we read. Early on the first day of the week, While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now you just stop there and you realize Mary's in a dark place. She's in a depressed state. She's she's in a confused state in her life. What do I do? Where do I go? Who do do I trust? What what is going to happen now? Maybe you can identify it with that. You know, Chuck, my life's in a mess. This is not how I plan my life to be. I have this addiction that I'm dealing with in my life. I have this relationship that's killing me in my life. I have this job that seems like it's a dead end. My kids are driving me crazy, Chuck. I don't have enough money. I don't know what to do. You know, it's unlikely many of us, though, were probably in the state that Mary was in. Back to the text in John chapter 20, if you skip down to verse 14, it says, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, and I love this, Mary. Now, who knew Jesus had a British accent like this dude on the show because he, he said it like this Mary <laughs> something tells me Jesus didn't have tea and crumpets with her you know but he, he was he was there for her in her moment of great need in her greatest need of confusion there he is and he says Mary and scripture goes on and says she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic Rabbi which means teacher like she said on the show teacher 
And of course, he, his answer is, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. Wow. Scripture goes on and, and says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. Now, I find it interesting that in that moment, Jesus gives her this commission. He says, go and tell the others. Stop stop wallowing in this and go. And and I, all of a sudden, I, I can see Mary have this aha moment. It's like, whoa, light bulb's on. Jesus is alive. He's given me assignment. And at the moment that she hears it, she has a glimmer of hope. But at the moment she goes to do what he says, she finds salvation. Did you see that? At the moment she heard it, she found hope. At the moment she went and did what he said, she found salvation. And what we see here is you might be depressed. You might be downhearted. You might be confused. But because the tomb is empty, you have hope. And because you can place your life in the hands of the risen Christ, you can have salvation. I mean, you look at it and you say, but is there, is that all there is to this life? Listen, The risen tomb, Jesus' resurrection, tells us that death is not the end. It tells you that in Christ, you and your hopes can be revived. It tells you that your Savior has triumphed over the worst that this world can throw at you. You can live victorious. But I really do believe the darkness departed and the light shone on her when she went and followed the Christ and his instruction. She got hope, but then she got salvation. In our lives today, don't you need hope? Because we all need salvation. Don't you need hope? But we all need salvation. But that's not all. Another facet of salvation comes through faith in Jesus. And it's, and it's this, this thought. I am delivered from the darkness of fear and into the light of new peace. Look down in verse 19 in John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked and listen to those two words, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now now think about that for just a minute. Don't all of us just in our life need a little peace? I mean, isn't one of the greatest aspects of following Jesus and living for Jesus the sense that in the midst of all of the chaos of this world, you truly can have peace? Does your house ever feel like there's no peace in it? I mean, is there ever time in your, in my house, the only one that feels like at times it's just chaotic? Don't, isn't there a place where you just want to retreat and go, just find a little peace? Well, there they are, cowering for fear behind locked doors. And Jesus comes, and what does he offer to them right off the bat? I bring you peace. Listen, you know, I'm not sure this world needs greater education. I'm not sure it needs a new political system. But I do know this. I, I do know it needs peace. I do know this world needs peace. I do know that we need peace in our life. And I do know Jesus comes and says, listen, leave this fear and find peace. If you look at it a little bit more, why were they cowering in fear? I mean, there's Peter. The, the, the dude who walked on water is cowering for fear. James, the son of thunder, 
is behind locked doors for fear. John, the most beloved disciple who stuck with Jesus to the bitter end, he's cowered behind locked doors for fear. There they are in the darkness of fear. And some of us are living in the same fear. Fear of losing our job. Fear of losing someone's love. Fear of being hurt again. Fear of messing up again. Fear of some addiction that's got a hold of us. Living in fear. And Jesus comes along just like he did to them. And he wants to look at you and say, peace be with you. I mean, isn't it beautiful that Jesus offers us peace? A peace that scripture says passes any understanding that we can have, humanly speaking. Jesus came and said, peace. He banished their fears with his presence and he left them with peace. I think that's what we need in our life. I need Jesus to show up in my life and banish my fears with his presence and then leave me with his peace. I mean, are, are you afraid today? I mean, the good news is you don't have to be. The empty tomb says, I don't have to live this life in fear. I can have peace. But you know, there's another facet of this salvation that comes through faith in Jesus. And it's, and it's this. I'm delivered from the dark, from the darkness of doubt and into the light of a new beginning. Look back at the text one more time in verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, have you ever heard this, this phrase, you're a doubting Thomas? Well, here's where it comes from. But he said to them, and this is Thomas speaking, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, let's just stop for a minute and get this picture. Thomas says, I was there when you boys saw him, and I need some irrefutable proof. So I'll tell you what, you get me Jesus here and let him hold open his hand where they put those nails in, and I want to put my finger in that hole. And where that pierce on the cross, where they took that spear and they pierced his side, I want to take my hand and I want to feel that hole. In other words, what Thomas is saying is, until I can touch it, I'm not going to believe it. Until I know it to be absolute fact, how can I find hope in it? Thomas is saying, listen, you can preach to me all day long, but the fact of the matter is, I got to know that I know that I know. And there they are. And scripture says, even though the doors are locked, Jesus comes in. Now for me, that's freaky. Jesus like, bam, I'm here. And the disciples like, see, Thomas, is that not the coolest thing you've ever seen? He just walked through the door. How cool is that? And about that time, I'm sure Thomas is thinking, I'm in. I, dude, that, do it again. When you want to see it over and over again, how'd you do that? And there he is, and Jesus has shown up with the disciples, and there's Thomas there. And then Scripture goes on and says that Jesus looks at Thomas and says, Go ahead, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Jesus says this, Thomas, you saw me and 
None of you will find in Scripture where Thomas took his finger and put it there. None of you will see in Scripture where Thomas put his hand and put it there. He saw and believed. And then you know what Jesus said? That's awesome, Thomas. But you know what's even more awesome? People who didn't see me and still believe. Jesus saying that, now that is amazing. And Thomas, what were, what were his words? My Lord, my God, my Savior, my God, my strong tower, my God, my provider, my God, my peace, my God, my hope, my God, my future, my God, my heaven, my God. And you can have the same thing. Jesus actually says the same thing to Thomas that he says to you and to me. Believe. Just, just believe. I mean, he didn't need to touch the wounds. He only needed to see Jesus for himself, just like you and me. You can be delivered from darkness of confusion. You can be delivered from the darkness of fear. You can be delivered from the darkness of doubt. And it all happens when your eyes are open to the risen Jesus, when your heart opens to him, when you do as Jesus urged Thomas and believe. You know, Jesus' word, believe, my prayer is that's where you are today. Because see, the Bible makes this promise to you. And I just find it amazing, but the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, he will not just hear you, he will answer you, and he will deliver you and grant you salvation. You say, well, Chuck, I don't know that whole calling on the Lord thing. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Well, you know, Jesus is kind of like the AT&T commercials. It's not complicated. He didn't ask you to do two things at once. You know, he doesn't turn you into a werewolf, none of those things. You know what Jesus does? He says, call on my name. Now watch this. This is really cool. Jesus never said, you got to pray it this way. Oh, let me give you better news. He also doesn't say, you got, you got to pray to a man to do it for you. He said, you can go straight to me. And you know how you call on the name of the Lord? It sounds something like this. Jesus, I, I need you. And I need hope for my future. I need heaven for my eternity. I don't understand how you come live inside of me. I don't even know how all that works. But I need you. You say, well, Chuck, isn't, isn't there some other magic words? No, it really isn't. You know what it is? Jesus, I need you. I need hope for my present. I need heaven for my, for my eternity, and I'm going to trust you for it. And if that's you today, that's all you got to say to him. It's not complicated because he'll deliver you from darkness to light. He'll deliver you from fear to peace. I mean, think about that. He'll deliver hope. You know why? Our Savior lives. Say that with me. Our Savior lives. One more time. Our Savior lives. See, if you believe that, you know what you can say? Jesus, I need you because our Savior lives. I believe that, do you? Our Savior lives.